I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, have we got a show for you today. I I can hardly believe it. Uh, We're going to be talking about the topic of immigration. And I know that that's a pretty touchy topic, and people on all sides have some very definite opinions about this topic. Uh, But I want to look at this from the Catholic perspective. We say in the intro of the show every week that we are here to examine the implications of our faith. So you and I, uh, we were Christians. Uh, Most of you that listen to this show are Catholic. What does that mean for us when we we look at these topics that we generally consider to be uh, solely political topics? And we, we did a conversation with uh, Dr. Sam Rocha about this back in August of 2015. You can find it over in the archives at OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, and that, that was a great conversation. Uh, we talked a little bit about the history of immigration in the United States and, uh, and let that inform a little bit our understanding of why we have these policies and whether or not uh, the ones that we have are uh, positive or negative. And I encourage you to go listen to that show. It's still one of my favorite shows. Uh, you can get to it, it's, I think, August 15th of 2015, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, you can get to it over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, but today we're going to take a little bit of a different tack. Today we're going to be speaking with Bishop Eusebio Elizondo, who is an auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese of Seattle. But more than that, uh, he is the the chair of the USCCB Committee on Migration. Uh, and so he's got a lot to say about this topic, and and in a very specific way, he as a bishop is going to be able to speak to us in a way that that most others really can't. Because uh, you and I, we can have an opinion on this, right? We're going to disagree. We're going to have some things that we think uh, should be this way or that way, uh, and we're looking at this through our understanding of the faith, most certainly, but also through a little bit of our political lens, and. A bishop is not going to speak about this politically. He's going to speak about this pastorally. Uh, in fact, when he's consecrated a bishop, his task is to pass on the faith. He is He's consecrated and ordained for the purpose of teaching, right? Uh, teaching and governance, some other things as well go along with that, certainly. But teaching is one of those primary functions of a bishop uh, for his particular church, which means his diocese. Uh, but in this case... Uh, with with uh, Bishop Eusebio Elizondo, he is also speaking on behalf of all of the United States bishops because he's on the committee for this topic, for uh, for the the congregation for the USCCB, that Council of Bishops, uh, and so he's going to have a really good perspective for us on what it means uh, for us as Catholics as we approach this topic of immigration. What what are the implications of our faith? On this topic. Now, earlier this week, as I was putting this show together, uh, things just kind of fell into place. I, I don't even really know why I thought initially, hey, let's do a show on immigration, other than it, it is dominating the news cycle. Uh, but there's lots of things that we talk about that don't dominate the news cycle. And so, for whatever reason, I thought, hey, you know what? Let's do a show on immigration. I, uh, I called uh, an archbishop and um, he was not, he was traveling, so he wasn't able to be on the show uh, because I wanted to get a bishop's perspective on this. And so uh, I was, his communications office sent me to the USCCB 
And I thought, hey, why didn't I think of that? So I, I gave them a call. I called the USCCB offices there in Washington, D.C., and they uh, they looked for a couple of days to find someone to be on. And really, everything about this show uh, today has just fallen into place just perfectly. Uh, so, for instance, uh, our, our guest today, obviously, he's on the, the committee, the USCCB Committee on Migration. But he has a personal interest in this as well, as he is a native of Monterey, Mexico. So he's experienced what it's like uh, to get up and leave uh, one's home country and to go somewhere else. And think about this in terms of, you know, we, we think of immigration as being, because the, the conversation's gone here, we, we think of uh, immigration being a process, a legal process whereby you either uh, do things properly or you don't, right? Legal immigration and illegal immigration. But that's really a new concept that's not found in Scripture, right? You think about the, the very first uh, instance uh, of immigration in Scripture, right? You have um, Cain leaves his home and goes to the land, I think, of Nod is where he goes. But then you have Abraham. Abraham is a a God-fearer who lives with his family and hears the voice of God say, uh, Abraham, I want you to leave the home of your father and go to a land that I will show you. Right? He didn't even know where he's going. He just points in a direction. And we are children, spiritual children of Abraham, right? We are on that same journey where, where God says to us, hey, I want you to leave where you are, and I want you to go to a land I will show you. And each day we make that sojourn, each day we make that journey as we participate in this, uh, this pilgrimage to our homeland, and our homeland, of course, being the kingdom of God. So we're citizens, absolutely we're citizens of the the country that we're in, and we should love the country that we're in. And yet, and yet, we are uh, really connected to this idea of migration. In fact, uh, Pope St. John Paul II uh, says this. He said, by her nature, the church is in solidarity with the world of migrants who, with their variety of languages, races, cultures, and customs, remind her of her own condition as a people on pilgrimage from every part of the earth to their final homeland. This vision helps Christians to reject all nationalistic thinking and to avoid narrow ideological categories. It reminds them that the gospel should be incarnated in life in order to become its leaven and soul, also through a constant effort to free it from the cultural incrustations that inhibit its inner dynamism. That comes from St. Pope John Paul II on the eight, a message that he gave on the 85th World Migration Day. And this is something that we, we need to wrestle with. We need to marinate in and really kind of, especially in these days, to really kind of focus on as all over the world, uh, nations are moving away from this idea of globalism where we recognize our interdependence on one another and moving more toward a sense of nationalism. And nationalism is a a very ugly thing wherever it's shown up. Now, be very clear, uh, I'm not talking about patriotism. Patriotism is the love for one's country, right? This is a good thing. And and patriotism is something that we can uh, completely embrace and still be completely Catholic, right? However, nationalism, which says that uh, 
basically our nation first, no matter what, uh, we're, we're primary and everybody else, you, you, who, who cares about you? Uh, that is something that the church has long condemned. This is something that we as a people who are connected to all other Catholics, first of all, uh, we, we can't have that opinion, right? Because uh, our brother and our sister uh, is the immigrant, our brother and our sister is the the non-immigrant who happens to live in another country and loves it there, and they're not planning on leaving. That we are connected to them. In fact, I remember when when we first became Catholic, um, being shocked uh, internally by the the almost I, I didn't do anything to cultivate it. It just happened where uh, shortly after we became Catholic, there were some attacks on Catholic churches in Africa. And it came across the news, and I, I teared up, and I felt it very clearly that these are my people. This is my family. These are the people who, who um, I have kinship with because they're Catholic. Now, uh, of course, that's not the only reason that we belong to one another, right? We are members of the human family. But let's just start with the easier thing, right? Uh, we can't be nationalistic because our first priority is to the kingdom of God. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all the other things that you need are going to be added to you. You know, He's saying, don't worry about what you eat or what you drink or what you wear, but seek the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and I get the sense, specifically um, in some of these nationalistic surges, that there is a sense of worrying about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear, because uh, we, we perceive that these people who are coming from other countries are somehow reducing the supply uh, that's meant for us. And so therefore, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? And Jesus says, that's really not your concern. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. And so uh, I, I want to spend the day um, really meditating. And this is not going to be a, a preaching session, right? We're, we're not going to wag fingers at anybody, but I do want to look at this from a non-political perspective, from the perspective of we are uh, responsible uh, for the kingdom. We're responsible for it because we pray it every Sunday. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we mean that? Do we really mean that? Do we mean that we will do uh, the will of God on earth in the same way that the saints and angels do the will of God in heaven? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Really? That's what we're going to spend some time meditating on today. That's what we're going to spend some time examining, trying to pull back the, uh, the political framework uh, that's been set up for the immigration discussion with the help of Bishop Eusebio Alessandro from the Archdiocese of Seattle. Uh, he's going to be joining us just right after this break, so don't go anywhere. But if you're just dying to go somewhere, why don't you go over to my social media? Over on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And Instagram is step outside the walls. I got several articles up there that uh, pertain to this conversation. Uh, consider it homework, some extra reading. And certainly there's going to be a place for you to comment and for us to have a conversation. This will continue right after the break. There's so much more. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thank you for sticking through the break. We're talking today about the topic of immigration, and we have the great privilege of having Bishop Eusebio Elizondo. Uh, He's an auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese of Seattle. He's also the chairman of the USCCB Committee on Migration. Your Excellency, thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Tim, for uh, allowing me to, to be part of this uh, wonderful program. Uh, I'm no longer the, the chairman of the committee. It's now is uh, Bishop Joel Vasquez from Austin, who has been elected. I okay. just finished term in last December, but I, I still part of the board, of course, yeah, mm-hmm. and I was uh, part of that. Uh, I mean, I was the chair for last uh, term. Well, right now we we have two issues going on that are in our national dialogue all over the news. Uh, one, we have the issue of uh, the the travel ban for seven Muslim majority nations, specifically dealing with refugees. Uh, then we also uh-huh. have uh, the issue of of voluntary immigration uh, along our southern border, where there's the discussion of. Uh, building a wall or or other such things. And so I, I wanted to split this up in our time today and, and in this first segment, uh, specifically talk about uh, immigration. But before we get there, can you tell us a little bit of the difference between uh, immigration as we understand it and the refugee crisis that, that's in our, our world right now? Yeah, well, the big difference is that uh, refugees are fleeing their country or their land for a specific reason of violence, uh, persecution, or disasters, natural disasters. So th- those are pretty much the, the conditions to uh, put someone as a refugee. You know? mm-hmm. uh, they, they are persecuted by certain circumstances in their own country, war, or persecution against their race, uh, or, or tribe, or religion, or things like that, or a particular disaster. So they are uh, considered refugees in that case when they apply or they come to another land in those kind of conditions. And so those are, generally speaking, emergency things, urgent things that you have to deal immediately with uh, because they are in uh, extreme uh, dire need because of those uh, threats for their lives and their families. Yeah. Back in 2012, you visited Syria. Uh, can you talk yes. to me a little bit about what you witnessed there? Awful conditions, of course. Uh, uh, terrible uh, killings uh, for political reasons and religious reasons also. And and so in uh, thousands of people were killed in, in the middle, innocent people that were just trapped in, in, in between the, in the factions there and that were in control of the uh, different uh, parts of the country, and so thousands and thousands of the people were just trying to to flee the country because of that. They were they were not uh, taking sides of any of these people, simple people that is living there, and suddenly they are they are trapped in the middle of uh, factions, as I said, that are disputing the for political or religious reasons, and they are just trapped in the middle. And thousands of people were killed. Uh, kill. Uh, women and men and, and of course children lots and uh, I saw destructions whether it was totally destruction in many places just rubble everywhere everywhere mm-hmm. and of course uh, a lot of people uh, wounded and 
uh, cripple and, and of course uh, incredible famine, fear especially, especially fear because of course at any moment you could be bombed uh, without knowing what, what, where it was coming from or what it was happening uh, to, mm-hmm. to you. And of course, people in fear. That's a, and that's a terrible condition for anybody. And of course, because of the war and rubble, and that fear, uh, no food, no medicines, no nothing. Uh, those pl- places, however, they are uh, not rich, wealthy uh, countries, and so they they were already in, in, in straight uh, needs. Mm-hmm. But uh, but especially when uh, when war breaks in conditions uh, deteriorate awfully and rapidly and so uh, there were just a lot of people in famine and of course mm-hmm. as I said in, in dire need wounded and not having any medicines or any ways to to uh, be healed and and right. of course that is why they were fleeing millions were fleeing and and of course the neighboring countries are not uh, wealthy either but they were some of them were receiving a lot of uh, refugees like Lebanon is very small country and and very not wealthy either, but uh, but a stable at least. And but they were receiving even uh, four million refugees in their country when when the total population of Lebanon it's barely six six or seven. I, I don't recall exactly, yeah. but the total population. So they even doubled their in their population just out of re- refugees and uh, and in desperate yeah. need. Now, most refugees yeah. who flee their homes, they want nothing more than to return home. Uh, but for many, this is not possible, uh-huh. uh, whether that be because there's no home left to go to or because it would be dangerous for them to enter back into that situation. Yeah. But not every refugee uh, is eligible for resettlement to a new home country. They'll, they'll spend time in refugee camps and then eventually put their life back together as best as they can. Yes. Can you explain a little bit of the process of how a person is granted resettlement into a new home country? Well, we, we do very thorough search and research and investigation for every single person that applies for, for, uh, for that kind of status, you know, because... Uh, resettlement is for uh, extra reasons uh, that uh, that uh, could be considered for that person not to return to their their country, mm-hmm. uh, even if the conditions improve or the conditions are a little better for them. And it would be uh, best for them not to return because their lives are in danger, and uh, so it's uh, it would be almost impossible to return to their places. Of course. As you were saying, most of the refugees were forced to to flee or to leave their country, and so it's not that something that they wanted to. And uh, and because of that, of course, they still love very much their country, and they want to return there. And of course, they wanted to to go back to their homes and their language and their culture and their <laughs> the places that they know and they are uh, bonding with, and 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 they yeah they know how to live there. Instead, to come into a new country, they they know nothing about that, uh, how to live there, how to get a job or a language and culture and everything. But uh, but again, for re- resettlement is because of the, uh, for those people had absolutely, even if they want to return to their country or the conditions have improved, they cannot for uh, different reasons. As I said, mainly because of persecution or or political uh, situations that they cannot, they, they mm-hmm. will be extreme danger to return there. Yeah. 
Now, refugee uh, populations are nothing new. They, they go back as far as history. We, we know that even Jesus in his infancy was yes. a refugee to Egypt. Yes. Uh, and so part of this is what draws us as Catholics to recognize that that none of us are in our home countries. We have a citizenship in heaven. Yes. Uh, and so we have solidarity with those people who are sojourning right now. Uh, Jesus, of course, as an exile, he he was able to return to his home country after a number of years, but it didn't start out that way. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about, you know, the, the Catholic Church has been very involved in refugee resettlement. In fact, since 1975, we've resettled uh, fully one-third of the refugees oh, yeah, uh, who absolutely. have come into the U.S. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about our, our uh, drive to, to help in refugees and some of the work that we have done. Well, the, the ultimate mission uh, for all of us disciples of Jesus, and of course as the Catholic Church members of the body of Jesus Christ, is, is compassion and mercy and, and, and charity. That's what we do. Jesus' uh, message of salvation was charity for the world to, to have a, an opportunity to, to be saved and, and restore the dignity and the greatness of human being that God, his Father, created. And so uh, because of sin, we have done so uh, many wounds to, the, to humanity and to that dignity of human uh, beings everywhere in the world. And so the main message of Jesus Christ is compassion and love to everyone. And we are all brothers and sisters, and we are all in the same family. And all children of the same God. Even when they are not Christians, it doesn't matter. It's just because we are humans and he became one of us. The word of God took our flesh to make us all discover the greatness of that humanity. And and because of that, that we are brothers and sisters. And of course, in his name and in his power, the resurrected Jesus, we go and preach that kind of love and compassion for everyone. And so when someone comes to our our attention, uh, and especially when they come to our shores and to our borders, asking for, or knocking to our doors, to asking for help, that's, even if we, they didn't, but as I said, because it's part of our mission, we have been evangelizing and going through the world as missionaries through the centuries because of that. But especially when they come in that urgent need, entire need, uh, to knock into our borders or our doors, we have to, uh, we are compelled to, to help. And in the name of Jesus, and out of compassion to everyone, and and of course, especially to those who are in dire need. But uh, and, and it's not because uh, only because they are in dire need. It's because it's also the fire that we have in our own hearts that uh, that is pushing us, compelling us to to help. Yeah. And uh, so that's a uh, we cannot be indifferent to that, as uh, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, has been saying, that the worst sin that we have in our days today is indifference. Yeah. That we have been seeing so much uh, uh, awful things in our society, that we, we in our world, that we get kind of used to it, or that it's kind of uh, normal already that it's happening, and we shouldn't. In the name of Jesus, of course, as Christians, uh, we have to be moving very much uh, the fibers of our heart and and yeah, offer yeah. that kind of compassion that is it's our mission. It's the mission of the church in, in Jesus' name. Yeah. We're talking today with Bishop Eusebio Elizondo. He's an auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese of Seattle, and we're talking about immigration and, and refugees. It's a great conversation, and I want you to be a part of it. Why don't you come over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. 
Tell me what you think. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today about the topic of immigration. It's uh, around our, our news. It's kind of dominating the news cycles right now. And in the last segment, we talked about specifically the refugee crisis. And in this segment, we're going to continue our conversation with Bishop Eusebio Elizondo from the Archdiocese of Seattle. And we're going to be talking about uh, traditional immigration or what you and I generally think of uh, when we think of immigration. A person who voluntarily, uh, not for any uh, tragedy, but voluntarily leaves their home and seeks a new life in another country. Uh, and so, Your Excellency, again, thank you for being with us today. Yes, thank you, Timothy, for inviting me. Yes, it's a great privilege. Many, many priests, many bishops uh, have, who are very trusted have spoken uh, regarding immigration of the state's role uh, and they say the state's role is to ensure the rights and duties of individuals. Uh, and some of them have taken that to mean uh, and have taught that to mean that the state is required to protect the life and the property of its own citizens. Uh-huh. Uh, but in in the encyclical uh, Pachem in, in Terrace uh-huh. from Pope St. John John the Twenty Third, he said that when, when there are just reasons in favor of immigration, the uh-huh. individual must must be permitted to immigrate to other countries and take up residence there. So can you help us to understand the duty of the sovereign state and how it's balanced against the rights of a person to immigrate? It's a very delicate uh, balance, I would say, uh, but uh, certainly uh, every country has the right to craft their own uh, laws uh, to serve and protect the constituency that have elected or has, has formed that country or that land uh, with that kind of a, a government. Uh, and that's uh, uh, in a democracy, we elected our government to protect us and to serve us the best, of course. And every every land and every country has the 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 right to have that kind of sovereignty to to protect their borders and to protect their, their own people. And that is why they were elected. But at the same time, of course, we cannot forget, especially nowadays, that we pretty much uh, live in a, uh, in a, as we call it, a, a global village where the the transportation and all the communication means are, are really making a, a very small planet, I would say, instead mm-hmm. of the wide world that, that we uh, lived before. Because now people travel a lot and, and uh, for many reasons and mainly economic reasons, because we, the kind of societies that we have uh, have uh, uh, companies, uh, great companies and entrepreneurs that are uh, international, of course, over uh, overseas, and and of course because of that we have all kind of a importation, I- imports and exportation of our products. Where and of course companies have been established in, in the whole world, and because of that, uh, of course we have been uh, uh, bringing people or sending people to work in different countries, or bringing people experts and and people that is uh, very skilled, uh, high skills to come in to to work in our country. So it's a that kind of uh, system has uh, reduced or, or yeah I would say the distances and 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 of course increase the the, the kind of connections that we have and the kind of a, a 
uh, yeah, sharing that we have all the time because of the economic reasons. And so mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, uh, because of that, of course, we have discovered and many other people have discovered that uh, uh, we have the opportunity to improve the conditions, economic conditions of many other countries because of the big companies offering their products there or crafting their products there. And, and so uh, in that sense, uh, the encyclical of uh, St. John the 23rd, as you were saying, is, is pretty right. And uh, every single person has the right to, uh, and the call, not only the right to life and, and to happiness, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, we, we seek for ourselves and, and for our families the best and, and has the right also to work and to use all the skills and the capacities that the human being has to, to develop that uh, uh, for the benefit of the society and the benefit, of course, of, the, of his own or her own and his family or her family. And, and because of that, people might be ready all the time to seek for a better life, right. better opportunities to work and to serve their, their needs. So it's, a, it's a, as I said, very fine balance right. in, a, in, in the in the uh, line of uh, protecting our own country, our, our own borders, and at the same time offering uh, the conditions for someone else to come and work and improving with our skills, our, our uh, societies. And at the same time, we sending our, our own people to work in some other countries to improve their conditions because mm-hmm. it's convenient for everyone. Right. The Catechism says in paragraph 2241 that the more prosperous nations uh-huh. are obliged to the extent that they're able to welcome the foreigner in search of security and the means of livelihood which he cannot find in his own country of origin. And then it says the political authorities for the sake of common good uh, for which they're responsible may make exercise of the right to immigrate subject to various juridical conditions or laws, uh, especially uh-huh. with regard to the duties of immigrants toward their, their country of adoption. But as we look at this, the, I think the right, as I understand it, the right of a country to protect itself is more the right to protect itself from, from attack and not necessarily from people who are coming to seek a better life. In fact, in Scripture, Old Testament and New, there's no category for legal or illegal immigration, just immigration. Uh-huh. Uh, and so yes. we're not told to welcome the, the legal foreigner. We're told to welcome the foreigner. And so how, how does the church respond to this in a way, uh, you know, the, the bishops have long called for immigration reform. Uh, what are some of the things that the bishops see as problematic in our current, uh, current immigration laws? And what are some of the very specific things that the bishops are calling for uh, renewal on and, and uh, correction in some of our laws? Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Uh, as a matter of fact, you mentioned something that is very, very important, and I would like to make the distinction on those things that you were uh, mentioning, because, of course, what is the definition of really or the, the, the substance of calling someone illegal mm-hmm. uh, or not or legal? Because there are so many things that are legal in our system, for instance, here in the United States, that are totally immoral right. according to our principles. And so not because something is illegal is immoral and not because it's legal is immoral. Right. So uh, 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 immigration is not uh, immoral at all. Uh, uh, one thing is that we stop on the borders or protect our borders from terrorism or, uh, I don't know, uh, 
drug dealers or stuff like that that is or weapons trafficking or human trafficking that is uh, just slavering people and another thing that is a in illegal just to try to migrate for for improving their conditions of life and, and of course even to bring an asset with their own skills to the country so that's a big difference i would say mm-hmm. and and for us as catholics of course we have to defend that as first of all they are human beings and, and we have to to put a face in every single man woman and children of course that they are not bad people it uh, by uh, just by because they migrated or they didn't they follow all the laws uh, to uh, to uh, cross the, the borders. But they were most probably just coming to work, and, and most probably because of the need and an urgency. And 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 again, that doesn't make them criminals at all. To because they broke the law, they they are not criminals. They are yeah people that have broken the law that is on, on the land, and they should follow it. But because of the system that we have, it's in many cases is very a slow process, very costly, financially speaking, and and, uh, and not sufficient. And that's what the church has been uh, pushing a lot through the years, that the, our immigration system is, is broken because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't have the capacity yet in that system to offer a, a fast and, uh, and feasible uh, a, a application for the migrants that wants to come here in every single field on the rural side and in the uh, uh, urban side uh, for little, let's say, simple skills of farming that I wouldn't call it simple, I mean myself, because it's very tough, or the high skills that we call it here for, I don't know, technicians and, and uh, computer skills and scientists that, that are they they have all the capacity, the company to uh, call them and invite them to or hire them to come and work in our country. And the other ones, and they can pay for it because they can afford it for themselves and their families. And instead for the rural people or the uh, simple, simpler uh, skills people uh, that, that they come just to work and provide for their families and that we need them, uh, they cannot... Uh, uh, go through the system as fast as the other ones when they need it, and they cannot uh, pay for that because they don't have the means. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it, in that sense, the, the system is, is broken and is not helping, and is pushing in, in so many ways the, the people to break the law, and, and, but that doesn't make them criminals or they doesn't make them bad people. Instead, we put on immediately a a bad record of that people, and, and we try to deport them or deport them and and uh, and ban them from trying again to come back to the to the country, which is, according to our doctrine, of course, is is totally against uh, humanity. It's totally against the dignity of a person, because right. that that's everyone has the right to 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 work and to uh, survive and, and to yeah. live, of course, and 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 that's a great asset for us. Yeah. And instead, we are depriving ourselves from great, in many cases, great Catholics, great believers, and great people that is improving and perfecting our societies and our church, of course. This is such a rich topic, and we just don't have time to get everything into one interview. We've been talking with Bishop Eusebio Alessandro from the Archdiocese of Seattle. Your Excellency, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. Don't go anywhere. There's so much more coming up. We're going to be looking at church history. We're going to be looking at the scripture for the day and much more. 
Join this conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. I am so glad that you're still here. Uh, This is a topic that's really touchy, and I I know uh, that uh, this is the kind of topic that ends up (laughs) blowing up the the comment boxes online. Uh, And so, but I, I... I want to have this discussion. I think this is an important discussion. And uh, for me, this is something that is a a relatively new perspective for me as a Catholic, because, of course, I've only been a Catholic since 2011. Uh, And before this, good gracious, I I was completely uh, what you would expect uh, from being a person who grew up in uh, north-central Texas. That's a very conservative area. I grew up... Uh, listening to the conservative talk radio hosts and and really having that same ideal. And the discussion that I always heard is that, uh, well, this is a, an issue of the rule of law, and we're very big on personal responsibility, and we're very big on on uh, the rule of law. But as, as Bishop uh, Elizondo just told us, uh, the law is not always... Uh, the same thing as what is moral. And so there are things like uh, abortion w- and that we know is legal, but we know that it's not moral. There are also things that are um, illegal that are, are not immoral. For instance, it is not intrinsically immoral for you to, uh, to speed. There are certain circumstances. Uh, now, certainly, it's against the law, and if you get caught, by all means, you're going to get fined. Um, but insofar as it is illegal, it's not intrinsically immoral. There may be situations where uh, even that that behavior could be justified, right? Not only, even though it's illegal, not only is it not immoral, it could be the right and proper thing to do. Uh, and so... And I'm not suggesting that you say, hey, he told me I could go speed. Uh, certainly, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there are there is the moral law. And then there is the law that we agree upon as a nation, as the way that we want to order ourselves in society. But it's not the moral law. And I first came across this in an article uh, on catholicculture.org. And it was called, it was by Dr. Jeff Maris. And it was called, Illegals Are Not Immorals. And I read that, and it was a fascinating piece. And uh, it's connected with three or four other pieces. It was in a series that he did, uh, including uh, the sovereignty myth on the limits of political authority, and some other just really rock solid pieces from a from a blog that's generally very conservative, uh, and still had a very uh, very faithful approach. Uh, in terms of being in keeping with the bishops and in keeping with uh, our popes uh, to say, hey, we really need to examine this issue thoroughly and and uh, and not just you know, not just throw out the talking points that our side has, uh, hide behind our political wall and and lob our talking points over at our ideological opponents. Uh, and so I'm going to post those articles again. There's uh, about four or five of them that are connected. And again, the first one that I read and the, and the 
was illegals are not immorals. And the one that's connected with that that I think explains that very well is uh, the sovereignty myth on the limits of political authority. So you can find those over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And by all means, read them and comment on them. Now, um, today, uh, normally when I, I do a show, I'll figure out what topic we're going to talk about and then I'll go and I'll look uh, somewhere in that week and see which verses, which Bible verse and which uh, reading from church history is going to most closely connect with what we're talking about. And so sometimes you get the Saturday reading, but other times you get a reading that's maybe from Thursday. Uh, and today, as I went and I looked at uh, the readings that we had available to us, they are spot on for what we're talking about. So today's gospel comes from the gospel of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 8, and we read this. In those days, when there was again a great crowd without anything to eat, Jesus summoned the disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd, because they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will collapse on the way, and some of them have come a great distance. His disciples answered him, Where can anyone get enough bread to satisfy them here in this deserted place? Still he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They replied, Seven. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground, and then, taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to distribute. Then they distributed them to the crowd. They also had a few fish, and he said the blessing over them, and he ordered them to distribute those also. And they ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets. There were about 4,000 people. He dismissed the crowd and got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanthia. Now, here's the thing about this miracle. This miracle didn't occur when Jesus blessed the bread. It didn't occur when he broke the bread. Look at it. So here you have the disciples, and he he blesses the bread and he hands it to them and says, "Go, go hand this out. Now, you take a piece of a cracker, and you break that, and you hand it to me, and you tell me to go hand it out. You know what? What do you do with that? It didn't occur until the disciples were obedient. When the disciples went and began to hand things out, all of a sudden, there was enough. And this goes back to what we talked about in that first segment. We say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Don't worry about this. Seek first the kingdom, because this is the God who multiplied the loaves and the fish. And certainly, he'll provide for our needs and the needs of the marginalized among us. Now, our reading from church history comes from a sermon by Blessed Isaac of Stella. And he said, Why, brothers, are we so little concerned to seek one another's well-being, so that where we see greater need, we might show greater readiness to help and carry one another's burdens? For this is what the Blessed Apostle Paul urges us to do in these words, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, and also support each other in charity, for this surely is the law of Christ." Why can I not patiently bear the weaknesses I see in my brother, which, either out of necessity or because of physical or moral weakness, cannot be corrected? And why can I not instead generously offer him consolation? As it is written, their children shall be carried on their shoulders and consoled upon their knees. Is it because I lack the virtue, which suffers all things, is patient enough to bear all, and generous enough to love? This indeed is the law of Christ, 
who truly bore our weaknesses in his passion and carried our sorrows out of pity, loving those he carried and carrying those he loved. Whoever attacks a brother in need or plots against him in his weakness of whatever sort surely fulfills the devil's law and subjects himself to it. Let us then be compassionate toward one another, loving all our brothers, bearing one another's weaknesses, yet ridding ourselves of our sins. The more any way of life sincerely strives for the love of God and the love of our neighbor for God's sake, the more acceptable it is to God, no matter what its observances or external form. For charity is the reason why anything should be done or left undone, changed or left unchanged. It is the initial principle and the end to which all things should be directed. Whatever is honestly done out of love and in accordance with love can never be blameworthy. May he then deign to grant us this love, for without it we cannot please him, and without him we can do absolutely nothing. God who lives and reigns forever. Amen. The difficult task here is to recognize our neighbor, to recognize our brother, not in national identity or ethnic identity, but to recognize our brother and sister by virtue of their humanity, by virtue of the mere fact that they're made in the image of God. Not to look at our nation as a house that we protect and say, well, it's ours and you can't come in, uh, but rather to look at it with the eyes of hospitality, of radical hospitality that says, you are my brother, you are my sister, you are, uh, you are the welcome stranger because this nation is, is not my home, it's not my city, it's not my state. It's a, it's a wide open land that you're welcome in. Now, you know, a lot of people say, well, we don't have the resources to let all of these people in. And yet these are the same people who want to see the end of abortion, which I completely agree with. But if we were to see the end of abortion, uh, we've lost over 55 million people over the last 40 years to abortion. That's a very large number. And with the growth in population, there's also a growth in uh, possibility. There's a growth in, in jobs. There's a growth in, because with more people, you need more jobs to serve those people. And, and so I want to encourage you to, uh, to take the day and to read through some of these articles up on Facebook and contemplate, uh, maybe, just maybe, we've been looking at this thing all wrong. And to approach the topic of immigration from the pastoral perspective, from recognizing that we are all members of one another, that we are, by virtue of our humanity, by virtue of being made in the image of God, we are brothers and sisters. And to see them not as the immigrant or the foreigner or the stranger, but to see them as the one whom Christ loves, as the one in Matthew 25 that Christ said, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. To be able to look and to say, you know, maybe, maybe I need to approach this with prayer. Maybe I need to approach this with a spirit of docility and listen to what the bishops have to say. Well, if you want to share this show with someone or want to catch something you missed, by all means, this is podcast over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, if you love what we're doing here, why don't you consider becoming a friend of the show? For just $10 a month, you get a lot of extra content. You can find that information out at OutsideTheWalls.com as well. 
Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Catholic Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.